This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the program. Kicking off hour two with a look at the Flames opponent tonight. It is the Colorado Avalanche. Second meeting between these two teams on the season. Going back to October, the season opener for the Calgary Flames was a 5-3 win. Very excited to uh, take a look at this Avalanche team by going down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Welcoming in the Colorado correspondent for NHL.com. It is Ryan Bolding joining us this afternoon. Ryan, thanks for doing this today. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? Thanks for having me. No, thanks for uh, for taking some time out today. Really do appreciate it. And uh, we should start with the uh, the news of the day for Colorado heading into this one. I was going to talk injuries anyways with you, but hard to start anywhere than the fact that the Avs are going to be without Kale McCarr tonight against Calgary. Yeah, it's, it's wild. It feels like for everyone around the Avalanche lately, this is pretty common occurrence, you know, but that's a, a major piece for the Avalanche to lose at a time where they can't really afford to keep losing people. Yeah, and talk to me about uh, Makar this year because a lot of the sentiment that I've heard out of Colorado is this is a guy that's been going the extra mile for this team this year given all the injuries they have. It's led to a lot more ice time, but that hasn't necessarily meant – all the points that we're used to seeing from McCarr on a regular basis. Yeah, he actually even talked about recently, um, you know, he was averaging 27 minutes a game, you know, had a couple of uh, stints in there with over 30 minutes a game. We had a game recently um, where he had over 20 minutes, you know, by the halfway point in the game. And he said, you know, at that point, that volume of time, you actually do have to adjust how you play your game. Um, in order to have success. And while he was quick to say it didn't really appear to um, bother him too much, I think you could tell the more minutes he was logging, the the kind of um, fewer points he was putting up, he wasn't as dynamic and flashy as he is. You know, Camel Carr is a real game breaker for this team, and it, it didn't always seem like he was able to do that and log the, that amount of minutes. And I guess look for, looking at it from a, a, a league perspective, and I guess a, a season-wide perspective for Colorado, uh, is it injuries that's that's been the biggest story for this team? Forty-two games in, Ryan, or is it something else? Yeah, I think it's injuries mostly. You know, the the team was so dominant last year, especially down the the end of the season, the stretch, just winning games with seven, eight goals a game. It seemed like really taking it to everyone. Steamrolled their way through the playoffs. Um, it's not that same team this year. And so the, the wonder is where are they going to fall when, when the end of the season comes? Are they going to be in a playoff spot? I think tonight's game against Calgary is a real big test, you know, with no disrespect to Ottawa or Detroit. I think those two games were games the Avalanche should be winning um, and did. And the way that they won obviously should give them a lot of confidence, but Going into the season without your captain, Gabriel Landeskog, who isn't even around the team right now during his recovery, and, and losing some key pieces, obviously, Nazem Kadri having the season that he had last year, losing that hurts. The, the in and out of Val Nuchushkin has been a real detriment to this team. So it's not really the same team, and I don't think 
on a depth level, players can just sit around and expect the superstars to take over the way they did last year. And that's kind of hurt this team. They've had to find a new identity as they go. When you look at this group, Ryan, who can you say has stepped up the most in the absence of some of those guys that you mentioned? Yeah, I think JT Comfer has, has been a, a real key, key piece for this team. Um, he's kind of a Swiss Army knife. He can play up and down the lineup. You know, he's usually a third-line guy. He's had a lot of second-line time. He's had some first-line center time and has contributed for the most part when it matters. You know, it's a contract year for him, so does that play into it? I'm sure it does to a degree. Um, but he's been a guy that's dependable. Arturi Lekkonen has been a, a big help. And then Evan Rodriguez has been, you know, just a real key piece of this kind of since he, he got going with the abs and got into the system. I mean, he was hurt with a lower body injury for a handful of games, but since he's been back, I mean, he's got points in like his last nine games. He's on a four or five game point streak right now. Um, he's been a real key piece. And then Miko Rantanen, obviously he's a superstar, but without him and the season that he's been having, this team isn't even close to where they are right now. Rantanen was the guy I was going to ask you about because uh, I, I so appreciate his game and looking back to the incredible postseason that he had for Colorado last year, yet I wonder if around the league Miko Rantanen gets the kind of respect he deserves because he plays on a team that has guys like Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr. You, you use the word superstar, and I guess that's that's kind of how it feels like, but he's a pretty quiet superstar league-wide, Ryan. Yeah, I certainly think this year he's probably you know getting some eyes on him that he didn't have before. It was kind of surprising out here in Colorado to see Kale McCarr be the, you know, the vote for the All-Star game over Miko with the season he's having. You know, you kind of get a Consmite winner, Norris Trophy winner. Maybe he needs to be at the All-Star game on a marquee level. Um, and maybe, you know, that ensures Miko gets the the fan vote to get in there. But, I mean, last I had checked, he was, he was leading the league with even strength goals, which have been a bit of a – a struggle for this team recently. Um, you know, now the, the special teams are kind of heating up. They've been a struggle, but he's he's a guy that I think, yeah, gets buried a little bit in the Landis Gog, McKinnon, you know, pick a goalie in the net, kill McCarr conversation, but he certainly has had no problem kind of putting the team on his back this year. And then on the leadership level, always available in the locker room, locker room after practice, you know, post-game, He's there taking questions. I joked with him one day about how sick he must be of talking to us and not having Landis Gog and McKinnon around when McKinnon was hurt, you know, to kind of take the heat off him. But, yeah. um, you know, having been there from his draft through to where he is now and seen him grow and develop as a leader, as a person, um, it's no surprise to me, but he seems very comfortable in this role, in this spotlight. And, you know, it's showing on the ice as well. You mentioned one of the new guys that's having a great year for Colorado in Evan Rodriguez, but uh, I'm really interested in your perspective on the goaltenders here. And Alexander Gorgiev comes into a really interesting spot, Ryan. It's not every day that, a, or not every season, I should say, that a team walks away from a Stanley Cup winning goaltender, but that's what Colorado did with Darcy Kemper. He's now in Washington. They pivot to Alexander Gorgiev. He'll get the start. Tonight against Calgary, I believe. What's year one been like for Gorgiev in Colorado? You know, it's funny. I think we were all kind of in agreement in the press box preseason that it looked like it was going to take him some time to get used to the avalanche system. 
it looked like, you know, there might be a, an opening night kind of struggle. And we knew full well, Landis Gog wasn't going to be ready. Darren Helm wasn't going to be ready. Um, you know, things like that. You thought maybe the team would kind of struggle out of the gate. And they really came out and surprised everyone, especially him. And so you thought, okay, things seem like maybe we were wrong. And I think this is kind of the the step back that we thought we'd have at the start of the year. But he recently started, you know, 12 consecutive games. It's the longest stretch in his career. I think he's approaching, you know, playing more than he's ever played in his career. And I've said this before, this team is notorious at struggling following the, the holiday break. You know, I think I don't have the statistic in front of me anymore, but I think, you know, in the last 10 years, they've maybe won one or two games following Christmas. Um, it's just something that they they've struggled with. And so that wasn't a surprise, but to see the struggles continue, um, the well kind of dried up. I think that's where the superstars were expected to do superstar things and teams were kind of game planning against them pretty well. Um, I wouldn't say a lot of that is Georgia's fault. I thought he's played pretty exceptionally well. Um, for this team. Um, and, you know, Pavel Franzos, he was sick, he was hurt, gets a couple starts under his belt, has a, an okay against, game against Chicago where the Avs lose. And then two real solid games here. You give Georgiev a chance to take a break, reset, and then, you know, we'll come out and see how he is tonight in Calgary. I think this is a big game for him as well, but he seems to have the right mindset. You know, he seems like a pretty even keeled kind of guy. And I think the Avalanche have proved over the years that they can take a, a goalie, um, you know, with not a whole lot of starter experience or not a whole lot of success at this level and, and build them up and, and turn them into a bit of a juggernaut. I'm curious from your perspective, Ryan, what the next couple of weeks look like. Obviously, the trade deadline is is coming. We'll get there post-All-Star break, but it's an interesting spot for for Colorado, knowing that Nathan McKinnon's Big long-term extension money kicks in next year. Are they still in a contending window? What kind of happens? Do you think that their trade deadline approach is sort of still to be determined over what happens the next couple of weeks for this team? I absolutely do. I think, you know, if if this team is so far on the outside looking in that it may kill them to make make a type of run like that, to the end of the year, I don't know if it's worth hemorrhaging, you know, pieces down the line. We've seen it teams that have prolonged success like the Chicago Blackhawks really struggle um, when, you know, all those big contracts come to fruition and you, you've got kind of a, a barren farmland out there for the, the system to kind of take over. So you don't want to give up a lot of those pieces uh, for a rental necessarily. I think a lot of it depends on the health of guys. Is, is Kale McCarr's injury going to be longer term than shorter term? I know Jared Bednar is saying day to day right now, but, it seems like every injury this team's had just lingers and lingers and lingers and guys come back and then they end up leave, leaving with the same injury. You know, they're exacerbating things. I think if, if Landis Gog looks like he's capable of returning for the postseason and is on that track and you're getting Kale McCarr back and Val Nichushkin's figuring out his ankle, um, you know, this team's missing Josh Manson and Bo and Byram. If all those pieces seem like they're coming back and going to be ready without setback, sure, I think you take a, a swing at, you know, maybe a solid second-line center out there on the market, um, something like that to, to kind of bolster this team. But if guys like Byram aren't coming back, Landis Gog's not coming back, you know, Nuchushkin's unknown, I don't know how much sense it makes to, to throw pieces at, at someone. 
how has it been for Jared Bednar this year? I imagine it's been as challenging for anybody with him with the, the changing lineup and trying to find the right combinations on forward and defense with all the injuries that we've talked about. Yeah, it's definitely been a, a circus a little bit, you know, on, on the line situation and call-ups. There was just a kind of a, a rotating Uber of, of <laughs> players coming from Loveland, which isn't too far away. Um, and then that well kind of dried up for a bit. I think he's done a good job. You know, if we throw out the 2016-17 season where he took over in, in August, he had a shortened off season. You know, he wasn't working with a coaching staff of his choice. Um, taking over after Patrick Wall left, one of the, the one of the worst seasons in NHL history for a team, right? Mm-hmm. You throw that out, I think this is the most adversity he's really dealt with as a coach um, during his time. And he is five wins away from being the winningest coach in Avalanche history. So I think, you know, he knows what he's doing. Um, it's been impressive to see him navigate this. He's talked a lot about how you have the guys like, the McCars and McKinnons and Landis Goggs and Rantanens who can take feedback during a game, take a, a new concept for how to play or an adjustment and in, implement it almost immediately. But when you've got these younger guys coming up into the, the third and fourth lines, you've got, you know, Ben Myers on his first full NHL season, um, Newhook in his second NHL season, you, you tell these younger guys how to change things. And sometimes it takes them a while to, to figure it out, to work through it, or they need some practice time to kind of put that stuff together. So, you know, there was a couple of stretches, losing streaks where, he was upfront about saying we're going to have to take some time to get these guys to think about this new change and how we want to play and we'll get there. And then, you know, a couple losses go by and then they start stringing some wins together. Like the guys are figuring it out and that's a credit to him and his staff and the way they've navigated it. But I'm sure it hasn't been easy for him. You know, we haven't gotten to a point where you kind of want to ask if he feels like he's on the hot seat. I don't think he's, he's earned that just yet but mm-hmm. you know things obviously haven't been easy for him this year uh just a couple more for you ryan ryan bolding joining us this afternoon chatting all things avalanche he's the colorado correspondent uh, at nhl.com uh if you were to give flames fans somebody under the radar on this colorado team to to watch for tonight in this game ryan who would it be yeah i think you know alex newhook he's been struggling this season you know a bit of that sophomore slump i know a lot of players don't really think that it's real and then they have their second season they kind of struggle he's been heating up lately he's playing the right way he's been getting some points um i think you know a bit of a under the radar kind of situation for him um i mean you can't really call Miko Rantanen under the radar given his stature <laughs> but um arturi lekkinen has been you know piling up points here lately. He's a a big gamer type of guy. He scored some big goals in the playoffs for the Avalanche and big goals to get to the playoffs. And then lately, you know, he just has this knack. He had a breakaway goal the other night. Um, You know, he had another goal where he was just wide open between the faceoff circles with nobody covering him. He gets a pass from McKinnon and, and finds the net there. He's a guy that, you know, sometimes doesn't really show up when you're watching the game and then all of a sudden, boom, you know, big goal out of him. So, those are kind of the guys I would keep an eye on right here. And uh, before we let you go, uh, we mentioned at the beginning of this three-game road trip for the Avalanche. They're into Vancouver and then into Seattle and then three at home for them before the NHL's All-Star break commences. Just how important do you see this next six-game segment being for this Avs team when it comes to their push, either for a wild-card spot or potentially in their own division, Ryan? 
Yeah, for me, what I'm looking at in particular for tonight is how that confidence from, you know, two big wins, they got 13 goals in the last two games. So does that confidence stay against the Calgary team that I would say is, is significantly better than Detroit and, and Ottawa at this moment? Um, Vancouver, the next stop. Vancouver has beaten the Avalanche twice this season, which is surprising. So, you know, is there is there a mental block there? Is there something going on that's preventing them, the Avalanche, from, from beating a Vancouver team that is, you know, looking at Connor Bedard very seriously here? And Seattle, Seattle's hot. So I think that's a very big game on the road um, for this test. You've got Washington, who's obviously playing very well. And the way Ovechkin's playing, he's a, a man possessed for that goal-scoring record. Um, just kind of getting through those games, seeing how this team can handle the adversity and then seeing how they can stay healthy to this break and what this break can do for their health. I talked to Kale McCarr about going to the all-star game and asked him, you know, I know you, you've got events, you're playing in the games, you know, skills competition, but are you able to see this as a, a period of rest, a break period for you? And he said, absolutely, even though I have things to do, it is still rest. It's not the, the rigor of the schedule, the road trips, you know, there's a back-to-back Friday, Saturday this weekend. It's not like that. And I know there's some fans here who didn't want Miko Rantanen to go to the game. Um, you know, I may have heard that he isn't super keen on going, but I'm sure he'll go if he gets voted in. He's a guy we've asked, you know, if you have two days off and no practice on one of those days, what do you do? It's the couch for him, you know, taking the rest in. So I think getting through the stretch healthy, maybe getting some support back, from lingering injuries, guys like Manson and Byron may be available after the All-Star break. That's what you're looking at. That's what you want to see. And I guess just quickly before I let you go here for the final time, you've covered this team for a while. You've been to Calgary before. Uh, are you pro the catwalk in Calgary or con catwalk in Calgary? What do you like about the press box here? Or do you hate it like so many yeah, do? I, I love it. I love, <laughs> you know, my my first time in, in Canada getting to experience the, the press box and the gondola environment was was new to me and so i really like that aspect of it i like watching the game from above i'm one of those people who likes to kind of watch things develop and you know certain buildings you have better sight lines you're maybe closer to the ice than you are in a an american press box where you're basically you know behind the back row yeah um so i like that stuff i like to to tell people a story the last time i was at the saddle dome um gabriel landeskog was suspended uh, and I think Calgary jumped out to like a three nothing start and the Avs had to crawl back in that game, probably 2015, 16 season. Um, and he was up in the press box. Obviously there's no cheering in the press box and he was eating a cup of popcorn and the, the Avs came back and tied the game three, three, and he jumped up and he was screaming and cheering and he was <laughs> spilling his popcorn down all over the crowd underneath him. And people are looking up like who is doing this? I'm like, if they only knew that it was Gabriel Landeskog, you know, <laughs> raining popcorn down on him. Everybody in the press box was looking over like, who's this guy? It was great. That's hilarious. Great memory at, at the Saddle Dome. That's a good one. Thanks, Ryan, for the time today. Really appreciate it, man. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll see you down at the Dome uh, a little bit later. But once again, thanks for hopping on with us this afternoon. Thanks for having me.
Really appreciate it. Ryan Bolding joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. We're chatting all things Colorado Avalanche. They are the Flames' opponent tonight. Uh, Ryan covers the Colorado Avalanche as a correspondent for NHL.com. Also the co-host of the hockey show at uh, on Mile High Sports. You can find him on Twitter, at rbolding, uh, for everything Colorado Avalanche. Of course, the big news today that the uh, Colorado Avalanche will be without uh, Nathan McKinnon tonight. The uh, head coach of the Avalanche, Jared Bednar, announcing that. Uh, following morning skate, uh, day-to-day with injury, not exactly sure. Lower body, upper body, just injury. But all we do know is that the Flames won't have to deal uh, with one of the top young defensemen in the game tonight when they take on uh, his hometown team, the Calgary Flames. And uh, some interesting points there from Ryan. And look, injuries, it's it's so hard. I love asking guys that cover teams, you know, especially around this point of the year, who are the Colorado Avalanche? What is this year's version of the Colorado Avalanche? And it's such an unfair question because as he went through the list of players there, he talked about a lot of different guys because they've had to have so many guys step up in different routes. I mean, we we talked about Kale McCarr, and he's been one of the few guys that's been healthy all season. Well, now all of a sudden he's not, and he's not playing tonight. Okay, Miko Rantanen. He's been there for uh, for all 42 games of the AV season. He's a, a great player to talk about, but McKinnon's been hurt. Nachushkin's been hurt. There's no Gabe Landeskog there, like he said. Manson's out. Byram's out. They've dealt with so much. I don't even know that from a Colorado perspective, as a guy like Ryan covering the team, that you can really say what a team is at this point. So that's just an unfair question for me to ask him, but it was interesting to get a feel for what this team is doing this year, what their approach is. You're obviously not under the gun nearly as much as the other 31 teams in the league, given the fact that you're coming off of a Stanley Cup victory. But Nathan McKinnon's salary doubles next year. It goes from $6.3 million this year to $12.6 million next year. You will not be able to afford some of the luxuries that this team has. Confer are a UFA. Rodriguez, UFA. Cogliano and Helm, yes, 35 uh, or older players, but they're at 1.25 on the cap. They're UFAs. Eric Johnson makes $6 million. He's a UFA coming forward. Uh, there's some younger guys coming up on the team. You're going to have to make some sacrifices. So where are you in the next couple of weeks if you're the Colorado Avalanche? Are you all of a sudden saying, look, we're just we're too far out of this because of how we started and all the injuries that we've had. We're not going to be able to make a push for it. Let's hold on to our picks and our prospects this year and hope that we bounce back next year. The other side of that coin is, well, next year's a lot tougher. Even if the salary cap does go up, by a couple million dollars, we're dealing with a massive extension that takes away a lot of that positive cap space that they're going to have. So interesting spot for them to be in. Um, as Daryl Sutter has been very complimentary of them the last couple of days here talking about this team, I, I just wouldn't count them out in all of this. They are currently five back of the Flames for the last wild card spot, but they have three games in hand on Calgary, four games in hand on Edmonton, they're chasing down. They'd love to chase down, you know, a Minnesota team, third in the Central, but they're currently uh, sitting. Let me just do it quick. Seven points back of Minnesota. That's a that's a lot of ground to cover uh, at any point in the year. 
uh, especially for teams who have you know been more established. So interesting game, big one tonight for the Flames, big one for the Avalanche. If you're Calgary, make as much ground uh, in between these teams as you possibly can. They'll go with the same lineup as they had against Nashville. That means Jacob Markstrom is in net, plus uh, Gorgiev going for the Avalanche in goal. He's been great taking over for Darcy Kemper, like we mentioned a couple times now. No Kale McCarr day-to-day with an injury. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. We'll finish off uh, hearing from another member of the Calgary Flames ahead of tonight's matchup, Rasmus Anderson. Spoke to the media. We'll get set uh, with this matchup against Colorado and take a look at some other stories from across the NHL. That's coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's hour two of Sportsnet Today. Logan Gordon along with you. He's Cam. She's Taylor. Hmm. That was really good timing for no reason. Nice job. Yeah, I know. Master of uh, nothing over here, Logan Gordon. Master of comedic timing. Eh, ironic timing, maybe. I wouldn't say I wouldn't go as far to say that I'm comedic in any way, shape, or form. Uh, lots of uh, flame stock on the show today. Of course, uh, Peter Labardius joining us to kick off the program. Uh, Lou with some great insight on tonight's matchup. Take a look at the Colorado Avalanche with Ryan Bolding to kick off hour two. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it here uh, in the final segment. 960-960 fan feedback lines always open to you uh, here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. And uh, we'll read some of your texts throughout the segment here. Uh, one more piece of audio I wanted to get uh, your way before we talk about some topics around the league. Uh, lots of injury news. To get to today, Ottawa and Montreal with some significant uh, news, including the injury news that we're following here in Calgary, and that's that Kale McCarr won't play for the Colorado Avalanche tonight. That's a, a massive positive if you're a Flames team coming into tonight not having to deal with uh, the hometown kid who's been so good uh, since entering the NHL in a playoff series against Calgary uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, so that's the story that we're following today flames not expected to make any lineup changes when it comes to tonight's matchup uh, against Colorado will be Markstrom in net and uh, the defense pairings staying the same forward line staying the same. We've heard from Daryl Sutter. We've heard from Nazem Kadri as well today. Uh, one more person to hear from following morning skate. That is flames defenseman Rasmus Anderson. Uh, tough trip overall for them uh, in that pairing him and Noah Hannafin, such important parts for this Flames team. If uh, the Flames want to have this uh, successful five games before the All-Star break, obviously Rasmus Anderson and Noah Hannafin going to be a big part of that. Uh, here's Rasmus Anderson. He spoke to the media following morning skate on today's game day against the Colorado Avalanche. It goes without saying. You know your opponent pretty well. I know you haven't seen him since night one, but this is a team that's starting to make some noise and make some moves up the standings. What does this game tonight come down to? Um, you know, preparation and, uh, you know, it's uh, come back from a long road trip. we got to have a good start and, um, you know, be ready to play. Uh, you know, Nashville uh, wasn't our best game. and uh, So just be ready to play tonight and, uh, you know, be ready from, from puck drop. And uh, it's, uh, it's a really good team to play. And, uh, you know, uh, they obviously uh, had a lot of injuries this year. But, you know, the key players are back. And, 
it's going to be a tough night. And uh, as I said, they're a really good team. Yeah, big names over there, and Daryl also credited their goal team. How can you as a group make life more difficult for their goal team? You know, traffic. It's the, it's the simple and boring answer. But traffic, you know, if he if he can't see it, he can't stop it. So, um, but you know, they've a good goaltending. Uh, this year and um, you know, get in his eyes and uh, just honestly throw a lot of pucks at him. Raz Nas, what, what does he bring? Sorry, I said Raz. What about what, what oh. Nas? When Nas comes uh, into this locker room, you see him coming. What does he kind of, kind of instill upon you guys in terms of intel or what he notices about tendencies about that group? What's well, yeah, it's in? obviously, I mean, if we get George Revy. He didn't play with him last year, right? So, uh, but you know, it's um, it'll probably be a little small stuff tonight, and uh, you know, maybe a little bit of their system and that kind of stuff. And then um, it's it's kind of you know, you put pressure on the D-man, make him make him defend, and uh, make their top players defend. And uh, you know, uh, the top players doesn't like to defend; they want to have the puck and they want to be in the O zone. So, uh, make their top players defend and. Um, just have a good night overall. Rasmus, it's pretty rare that a team goes on a 10-day road trip and then skates or has a workout the next day. Does that kind of signify the importance of, of tonight's game, that you guys are back here after such a long trip? Um, yeah, I mean, yes and no. It's uh, uh, We have all focus on today, and uh, as I said, we just we just need to need to have a good start. It's... Um, it's a, it's a really tough uh, tough team, and, uh, you know, they're Stanley Cup champs, so we got to we got to respect them just enough. What's the best way to contain a team that plays with the power and pace that the Avalanche does? Uh, as I said, uh, keep the puck playing, uh, playing their uh, their D zone, and uh, you know, with McCarr and Taves, uh, you know, they're real dynamic. So uh, try to stay above them. Don't don't let them uh, jump past you. And you know, when McKinnon has the puck, you, you just gotta stay on the inside and uh, try to limit the time and space uh, they have with the puck. As a fellow defenseman, what do you appreciate most in McCarr's game? Just honestly, his overall game. He's, um, you know, if he, he might not put up the most numbers this year, like in the league, I'm saying he's really good. But I'm saying, you know, with Carlson having a really tremendous year too. But I still, you know, my opinion with the year Kale had last year and um, you know winning the cup and Conn Smythe and the Norris, I, you know, if you look at it right now, he's got to be the best defenseman in the world. And uh, you just look at his overall game. He's uh, He's powerful. He's dynamic. He's uh, he sees the ice really well, and um, you know it's uh, he's he's a tough player to play against because he's uh, he's one of those players who's kind of everywhere. He, he had a stretch recently where he was going thirty plus minutes, like three or four straight nights. How hard is it to sort of work through that when you're constantly at that kind of ice? Yeah, well, he's a little bit better skater than I am, so uh, <laughs> he uh, for him, I don't think it's that much. Uh, I don't think it's that hard for him. It, it's it's one of those things too when you. When you push 25, 26, 27, you get into a rhythm when you when you're not even thinking. So uh, you, if you stay in that rhythm, it's it's probably easy. But you know, after the game, it's probably you feel it for sure. Rasmus Anderson, Flames defenseman, talking about a lot of different stuff there as they got ready for uh, as they get ready for tonight's matchup against Colorado. And of course, the last half of that interview about Kale McCarr, who will not play tonight for the Colorado Avalanche. So all those good things that Raz had to say about the Avs, number one defenseman. They still apply, it just won't happen for this Avalanche team who've dealt with injuries all season long. It will be a boon, however, for the Calgary Flames, who don't have to go up against Kale McCart tonight. So, uh, again, 7.30 puck drop tonight. You want to remember that uh, our Flames coverage gets going uh, this afternoon. Flames talk with Pat Steinberg. You don't want to miss it. 
He'll take you right up until Flames warm up with Peter Labardius. Uh, they'll get you set for the Flames and the Avalanche high above the ice at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. And then, of course, Derek Wills and Peter Labardius on the call from the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. It is the Flames. It is the Colorado Avalanche, the second meeting between these two teams uh, going back to the season opener when Calgary won 5-3. This, uh, of course, is going to be on your home of the Calgary Flames. It is Sportsnet 960. The fan joining uh, Pat on Flames Talk today will be Ryan Pike. Um, So they'll get you set ahead of Flames uh, warm-up tonight uh, with Steinberg and Labardius. A couple of uh, NHL topics to get to. As we close things out on hour two of the program today, uh, some major injury update news out of Montreal. Uh, The Habs very injured at this point of the season as they head into the final couple of games before uh, the All-Star break, and it's bad news. When it comes to the first overall selection in last year's draft, Uri Slavkovsky is going to miss the next three months with a lower body injury. Uh, He's got a knee injury, a left knee injury. Uh, that he suffered in Sunday's 2-1 win over the New York Rangers. He then missed their game on Tuesday. The three-month timeline could very well spend the end, uh, spell the end of his season. Uh, the Canadiens' final regulation game uh, scheduled for April 13th. If you go three months from today, uh, that's uh, going to be April 18th. And the Habs on the outside looking in on the playoff picture. Uh, so that might be it when it comes to uh, year number one for the first overall pick in Uri Slavkovsky. And there's been lots of talk about whether the NHL was the right place for him. He was able to go to Laval of the American Hockey League this season. Uh, That, of course, doesn't come to fruition. And uh, people wondering if that was the right development path for him. Still got to wait and see on that, but that's been a big topic of discussion in Montreal. So along with Slavkovsky being out, the Habs also announced that Jake Evans... Uh, is going to miss a good chunk of the season. He is out 8 to 10 weeks with a lower body injury. Uh, Guess what? It's another left knee injury. uh, Suffered on Saturday's loss to the New York Islanders. Yeah, it was the Islanders on Sunday. Uh, So Slavkowski and Evans both suffer knee injuries. They're out long term. Joel Armia and Jonathan Drouin out of action until the All-Star break. They have upper body injuries. Not done yet. Jake Allen set to miss a week. He's got an upper body injury, so uh, five injury updates for the Montreal Canadiens today. None of them very good, as uh, at a minimum, it sounds as though Jake Allen's going to miss at least a week. That might bleed into the All-Star break if you're the Montreal Canadiens. Armia and Drouin won't come back until at least after the All-Star break. Some good injury news from around the league came from Ottawa. Uh, Josh Norris set to return. For the Senators tonight against the Pittsburgh Penguins, he is coming back from a 38-game absence. He's been sidelined since October 22nd with a shoulder injury. Before he was injured, he had a goal and an assist in five games for the Senators. Uh, He was skating on a second line between Debrinkat and Giroux. Uh, DJ Smith said Giroux would take most of the faceoffs for Norris in this one. He had 35 goals and 20 assists in 66 games last season where he signed a massive eight-year, $63.6 million extension with the team last summer. He's been practicing since early December and visited a shoulder specialist on January 4th after suffering a setback and then uh, is now set to play tonight to make room for Norris. They pushed uh, Jake uh, Lucchini on waivers, 
and Matthew Joseph will be a healthy scratch. Five o'clock puck drop between the Sens and the Penguins tonight, and that's a big boon for them. Ottawa has struggled this season despite an offseason full of moves that were expected to make them at least contenders in the East and maybe in their division. They're currently sitting tied with Montreal when it comes to points this season at 41, despite having two games in hand on the Habs there. So that's not good news. Um, Taylor, I thought Ottawa was going to be better this year. Uh, I liked Giroux. I liked Debrinkat a lot. Obviously, Norris getting hurt didn't help, but I didn't expect Ottawa to be seventh in the Atlantic. Me neither. I, I really like Giroux, and I know that it for me, one player is not going to completely change a team, but they added so many great pieces during the offseason that I just thought they would be a little bit better. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I got to think it's a massive disappointment for them to be behind a team like Detroit and, and Buffalo. They spent all this money, you know, Debrinket's future is still up for, for debate in Ottawa. That's a tough one for it. And I get it. Goaltending is usually the biggest point of contention. And do they have a true number one goaltender there right now? The best goalie that Ottawa's had in the last little while, uh, Philip Gustafson looks like the best goaltender uh, and he's in Minnesota now as part of that Cam Talbot trade. So that's a tough one for the Sens. Uh, can't imagine that they're happy where they are currently sitting seventh in the Atlantic Division. Six, uh, let me count that a little bit better. Yeah, 16 points back of third place Tampa Bay uh, in that division. The Atlantic's top three spots at this point of the season. It happened last season as well for a couple teams in the East, but the top of the Atlantic Division looks like it's Almost set in stone at this point as Tampa Bay's now opened up a 10-point gap on the closest team below them in the Atlantic Division standings, the Florida Panthers. Uh, Matthew Kachuk's new team sitting 10 points back of them. Still, you know, a conversation to be had for Florida to maybe punch their way into the wild card spot. They're three points back at Pittsburgh. But as far as the top three teams go in the Atlantic and maybe even in the Metro, that one's a little bit closer uh, but the top three teams in the East certainly look like they're penciled in at least to be there as the season grows on uh, and we get past the all-star break here. Uh do want to touch on this too before uh, we say goodbye on this uh, Wednesday afternoon and hand things over to uh, Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian. Avoided it for, for most of the day, but I think it's important to um, to chat about the situation that happened yesterday in Philadelphia. Uh, if you missed it, it's been the, the biggest topic uh, around the NHL the last 12 to 18 hours. Uh, I didn't want it to, to bleed into and change with the, you know, we're the home of the Calgary Flames. Flames game day against Colorado is, is top priority, but it's, it's a topic I think worth broaching here. Um, the situation with Ivan Provorov and the Philadelphia Flyers yesterday, it was pride night. In Philadelphia, uh, they have special jerseys uh, that they were wearing in pregame uh, that were going to be auctioned off postgame uh, to help support uh, different uh, LGBTQ plus communities around the Philadelphia area. You know, obviously support the NHL's message of hockey is for everyone. And the story, not about all the good that these nights usually do but instead on one player's decision not to partake. 
And I thought a lot about it. It's a difficult conversation to have for a lot of people. Um, if you're angry about it, if you're going to spew hateful things, you can't have a respectful conversation about it. Don't bother sending in the messages. You can have your opinion. I'll have mine. Um, I am disappointed in how it's been handled as a whole. I'm frustrated about how it's been handled. Ivan Provorov is always open to, and everyone is, it's open to their own opinions and their own beliefs. And he shouldn't be forced into that any more than anyone else should be. But as somebody that wants to be as supportive and inclusive to everybody when it comes to being a part of hockey and loving this great game at all different levels. It's frustrating for me to see this become about him and his decision to sit out rather than all the good that it can do. And there are two guys in specific in that locker room uh, who are featured on an NHL.com piece right now in James Van Riemsdyk and Scott Lawton who have taken it upon themselves to be allies and to be supportive of the LGBTQ plus community in Philadelphia and to make them feel as welcome um, as they possibly can, including meeting a group of almost 50 um, members of that community and post game as part of pride night. Uh, you can be frustrated with it. You can be, disappointed in it. I, I just think that there's at the end of the day, this is what it came down to me. And I'm not going to blame Ivan Provorov in its entirety, because I think that there are multiple people that blame here. I don't like how John Tortorella handled it. I don't like how the Philadelphia Flyers handled it. If you know, as a team that there's somebody that feels this strongly about an issue you, you have to get out ahead of it. You have to, you can't just come out with the press release. And I can't, I just don't think you can end off Ivan's discussion with the media last night once he gives his answer to why he wasn't in warm-up. I, I think there has to be a bigger conversation in this day and age why he feels the way he does. I don't think that a blanket answer of, well, I'm, it's my religion. That's, that's why I didn't, I didn't go out. That's why I didn't support a team initiative. That's why I didn't support all people being involved in the game of hockey. That's not good enough for me. I just, I, I struggle with any religion that has any problem with who somebody loves and what they do in their personal life. To me, it's an archaic old view I could care less what people do or what people spend their personal time on. So why, and, and it is a stance. It is, it is Ivan Provorov making a point by not going out there. You might see it. He might see it as trying to avoid it and not try to make it a big issue, but he makes it a bigger issue by, by sitting out. And there's a lot of people who have done a lot of work to make the NHL a more 
diverse place, a better place, a more inclusive place, who feel extremely disrespected by what went down last night. Again, I'm not saying that that Ivan doesn't have a right to his own feelings about it. He absolutely does. But we're also entitled to disagree with those opinions. And I do. I strongly, strongly think that in 2023, it's a... To me, it, there's a lot that goes into it. There's There's so many reasons. And I mean, he's a Russian Orthodox... And using religion to me in that circumstance is a tough one because I'm sure there are other elements of, of religion and other people who use religion that you don't follow or you don't feel as strongly about. So it just winds up being an embarrassing night for everybody. It winds up being a frustrating night if you're Aaron Ambrose or if you're Luke Prokop who have set so many inroads about this. And that to me is, is what's what sticks out is I I wish today we weren't talking about, you know, decisions and where people stand and the back and forth of it all, because that gets in the way of the message that should be hockey. And if that's what the NHL really wants to be, if they really want to be hockey is for everybody you have to have a better road for this. You have to have a better plan for this because clearly not everybody feels that way. Clearly Ivan Provorov doesn't feel that hockey is for everybody. And that's, that's an embarrassment on the league and that's an embarrassment on a lot of different people involved in this scenario. At, at the end of the day, I wish we were talking about another successful pride night in an NHL city and all the good that it's going to do, that these auctions are going to do to make it a more inclusive place, because that's what I want hockey to be. I want hockey to be available to as many people uh, from as many different backgrounds and as many different lifestyles as possible. Because to me, it's not about who you love or who you choose to spend your life with. At the end of the day, sports is a is an extra in life, and it's a it's a bonus. And to hold that against somebody to me is wrong. It's something I'll always think is wrong. And uh, I hope at the end of the day that these conversations spur more good than they do bad. But it's just been a really negative place to be around Ivan Provorov and around this whole discussion. So again. You can feel however you want to feel about it. I, I totally respect whatever side you come down on this whole thing. I, I think it, at the end of the day, it could have been handled incredibly better by the NHL, by the Philadelphia Flyers, and by Ivan Provorov as a whole. And I think that's something that the league will have to address going forward. And I think it's something that we as you know, people as part of the hockey community have to think about going forward because the thing we should be talking about from last night – uh, unfortunately, isn't what we're talking about, and that uh, that really sucks. So that's all I got to say about it. Um, thank you to uh, Ryan Bolding and Peter Labardius for joining in today on the program. Always appreciate them. It is a Flames game day. Our Flames coverage 
with Pat Steinberg. It's going at 6 o'clock tonight. 6.30, Flames warm-up with Peter Labardius. 7.30, puck drop between the Flames and the Colorado Avalanche. That's uh, on tonight's Flames broadcast coming up next. Uh, it's the wonderful Haley Salvian. She's got Hockey Central 960 coming your way. Uh, next, don't miss uh, Hockey PDO cast. We've got lots to get to uh, on the shows this afternoon, so keep it locked right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.